Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. This year's Berkshire Hathaway letter is out and it's a treasure trove of information. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to call it. You're listening to episode 511. And I'm riding solo today, coming to you from Topanga, California. So here's what I want to talk about this week. The Berkshire Hathaway letter came out just a few weeks ago, and I wanted to talk about it right when it came out, but we had a couple of other things that we were dealing with and wanted to finish on the podcast. So first chance I got, we are going to spend some time talking about it. Now, we've talked about Berkshire Hathaway many times on the podcast. We've talked about how the fact we admire the two main individuals behind Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, and how much we admire them and their their financial common sense. Uh, Buffett's been called the Oracle of Omaha. He's been on Leno. He's been on all the news channels. He's probably the best known investor of all time. More on that later. Um, But right now, if you wanted to buy one of their shares, one share, one share of Berkshire Hathaway A, the price of that stock just went past $500,000 this week. Now, I know you're thinking, Dave, wait a minute, stocks sell for 100, 200, 300. I know. Berkshire Hathaway never split. Buffett wanted to show everybody how much it was truly worth. And if you want to walk out and buy a Berkey A this week, it's going to cost you a half a million dollars. Fortunately, they also started Berkshire B or what we've called Berkey B. I like to refer to it as Berkshire for the rest of us. It sells for $325 a share, a much easier stock to acquire. And it's basically like the Berkey A, except for the fact it splits. So the price remains in a reasonable range and you don't have a share of a stock costing $500,000. But it follows basically the same principles as all the other Berkshire stuff. So anyway, getting back to Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, remember that that Buffett is a value investor. He's not looking to time or make timing plays. He's looking for value. And as many of our longtime listeners may know, every year they have an annual meeting. uh, And we'll talk about that at the end of today's podcast. And they have a shareholder letter. And every year when that shareholder letter comes out, it's free information, it's free analysis, it's free insight from the Oracle of Omaha, perhaps the best investor of all time. So it's a great thing to read, even better. It's free A lot of people that give you financial information want money for their advice or their information. This is always free. So the first thing you want to do is, here's how you get it. Go to Google, type in Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letter, 
And it's right there. It takes you right to the Berkshire Hathaway website. It's right there. Also, all of the letters since 1977. That's pretty nice. You can also buy a book, apparently, on Amazon, by the way. And it's all of his shareholder letters going back from the to the very beginning. Now, I'm not too much of a fan on the past, and um, but I think sometimes it's interesting. But um, it doesn't strike me uh, as... Uh, pointing up to me as too much of an interesting guy if I've got a book on my coffee table of all of the shareholder letters. But if you want to take a look at a couple of them, take a look at a couple of years past. Last year was right after um, the, the first rush of COVID. And I think he had a lot of really interesting things to say. But but past that, at least when I'm investing, I want to I want to move ahead. I want to move forward. I want to hear what's going on right now. So when I read this letter, um, the first thing I did is I ran down the hall to where my wife was sitting. I said, did you read the letter yet? And she said, I'm halfway through it. I mean, we're such interesting people. A big highlight of the day or the week is the Berkshire shareholder letter coming out. But when I was reading it, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to share some of this information uh, with our listeners, because I think it's great information. I think it's great insight. and I And I think that uh, uh, it really helps you in terms of your investing and financial wellness mindset. So here's 11 really interesting takeaways, um, at least in, in terms of my thinking. Um, here's the first thing. He begins the letter by saying, Charlie Munger, my longtime partner, and I have the job of managing a portion of your savings. We are honored by your trust. And that really sets the table, doesn't it? They understand that it's their job to manage your money, not their money, our money, and that they see it as a position of trust. And I think that's really important in terms of uh, uh, perspective. The other interesting perspective, I think the second takeaway, by the way, is he goes on to say what you own. What you own as a shareholder in Berkshire Hathaway, which owns a bunch of businesses and, and shares of stock, He's saying not what Charlie and I own, it's what you own, what you own a piece of. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. Now, the third takeaway, the letter goes on to say, Berkshire owns a wide array of businesses, some in their entirety, some only in part. The second group consists largely of marketable common stocks in major American companies. So they set the table for what's going on inside this, this entire fund, if you will, this entire stock, some businesses that they own entirely and some shares of stock in other businesses. The fourth takeaway, and this is really key, it goes on to say, whatever our form of ownership, our goal is to have meaningful investments in businesses with both durable economic advantages and a first-class CEO. Please note particularly that we own stocks based upon our expectations about their long-term business performance and not because we view them as vehicles for timely market moves. This point is crucial. Charlie and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. And that is the classic definition of value investing. The letter goes on to say, and the fifth takeaway, and I just want to say this in passing, the letter goes on to say, I make mistakes. And I think that it's great that he says that 
couple of years ago, there was an investments in, in Heinz that didn't go particularly well. And a couple of years ago, um, somebody actually um, schemed um, uh, Warren and his partner. And there were, I mean, it was a scam. Um, and someone got away with a whole bunch of money. They were prosecuted criminally, but someone was actually um, able to scam Warren Buffett, which almost seems inconceivable, right? Uh, but somebody did that. And to admit that you make mistakes and have to adjust your course from time to time, um, I think is important. And I'm also <laughs> very humble. Uh, the letter goes on to say, in my point six, uh, that they pay taxes. Now, it's a very trendy thing to talk about who's paying taxes um, these days. Everyone's talking about uh, how much tax, uh, uh, you know, our, our good friend Elon Musk uh, didn't pay a couple years ago and how he paid more taxes last year than any other taxpayer in the United States. And of course, the politicians like to jump on him about this stuff. Um, so it's a very trendy topic. So the letter goes on to say in 2021, they paid $3 billion in taxes and that the government collected from businesses, not individuals, but businesses, $402 billion. So uh, Berkshire Hathaway pays just under 1% of all the business taxes paid in the United States. Not a huge issue, but I thought that was really an interesting aside and, and timely, in fact, in light of all the rigmarole that goes on um, in the media. So then the seventh point, uh, Buffett goes on to talk about what he calls the four giants, the four biggest clusters of investments that they have. And wow, interesting and stuff. The first giant is their cluster of insurance businesses. A lot of you might not know that uh, Geico um, is wholly owned by Berkshire Hathaway. And when we were back there a couple of years, you know, they had one of those, well, not life-size, but human-sized lizards. And I could have had my picture taken with the lizard, actually a gecko. Uh, but I thought, no, I don't want to, I don't want to encourage them and stuff like that. Instead, I had my picture taken with a, a cardboard cutout of Warren Buffett, which I thought was um, much more sophisticated, probably not as fun, but certainly more sophisticated. And that picture is on the website, thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You want to see the picture of me and Warren or a cutout of Warren, go there and check it out. So their first giant of these four giants is a cluster of insurance businesses. The second giant, Apple, of course, everybody talks about it these days, uh, Warren Buffett, traditionally was not someone that wanted to invest a lot of money in tech stocks. He thought they were too fast, too furious, too new, um, didn't understand them enough. But that changed four or five years ago, and he started to accumulate an interest in, um, in Apple. And now, of course, Berkshire owns 5.5% of Apple, by far Berkshire's largest holding. It's huge. And who would have thought even five years ago that Warren Buffett and Berkshire um, would do that. But you know, we talked about the fact that, um, you know, here at the TFWP, um, we kind of like Apple stock. We're not recommending it because we don't do that, but we certainly are in awe of Apple. And um, we've talked about it so many times. And it's not like this is something that we're coming to on our own. It's, it's, uh, it, at, at very least, it's a reflection of the thoughts of 
uh, Mr. Warren Buffett. The third giant, BNSF. I didn't even know what that was. Turns out it's a railroad. Now that doesn't sound very sexy in terms of investment. It's not Bitcoin, it's not pork bellies on margin. A railroad? I thought the railroad business was dying out. Well, the letter goes on to say that they are able to transport goods at a much lower rate and at a lesser um, uh, harm to the environment um, than a lot of other forms of investment. So BNSF is the third giant in the mind of Warren Buffett uh, in terms of what's owned by Berkshire Hathaway. The fourth giant, BHE, Berkshire Hathaway Energy. I didn't know what it was either, but it's a collection of energy companies that you've probably never heard of, uh, more regional companies. And I guess that makes sense. That's more of an investment in the future if you're talking about energy kinds of stocks. But Warren sees these as their four big businesses um, that they control or clusters that they control. Insurance companies, Apple, a railroad, and a cluster of energy companies. That's interesting, isn't it? Then the letter goes on to talk about their investments. And you know, everybody, they actually list a dozen or so of their biggest investments. And that is they own stock in these companies. So if you're looking for some stock picks, just look at those listed in the letter. Check them out. See if there's any that you particularly like. Maybe you pick them up. Check them out. Or maybe you even like Warren Buffett's stuff where you're going to have a collection of these kinds of things and you're going to let them do the worrying about it. Then the letter goes on to talk about the U.S. Treasury bills um, that they own. And the letter says that on the balance sheet of Berkshire, there is $144 billion in cash and cash equivalents. And out of this $144 billion, $120 billion is held in U.S. Treasury bonds or T-bills, Treasury bills. Now we're all thinking, wow, that, don't those return like 1%, somewhere around 1%, sometimes less, sometimes more. Not really a good investment if you're looking at what the uh, S&P is returning. But he goes on to say that, you know, this is where we park cash. This is what we do with cash. We get a little bit of return. Um, he later goes on to say kind of sheepishly, you know, $144 billion in cash is probably too much cash to hold. But they're not going to go out and invest money just to invest when they deploy capital. They want it to be something that they believe in, something that's an actual company, something that's got cash flow, something that's going to appreciate in value. And they want to deploy their money in a um, reasonable, in reasonable fashion. By the way, hear that word deploy. He uses the deploy word um, in the letter, and we've talked about that many times when you're talking about your own personal investments. How do you want to deploy your money? Then he goes on to talk about uh, talking to university students. Um, and this is the 10th the takeaway, at least in, in my opinion. The letter says, talking to university students is for superior. I have urged that they seek employment in one, the field, and two, 
with the kind of people they would select if they had no need for money. And he goes on to say, I, I understand that economic realities get in the way of that. But, you know, we have always said, pick that dream job. Don't chase just the money. Don't work for a high paying crappy job. Um, pursue the kind of thing that you want to pursue. Make that dent in the universe. And when I saw that in his, his annual shareholder letter, I thought, hmm, I got to share that. The 11th thing, he puts together a list of Berkshire's performance versus the S&P since 1965, when this whole thing started to get going. And I, I think it's really interesting to see basically how they did over a wide number of years and then compare that to the S&P. By the way, for example, last year, which was a great year in the market, uh, Berkshire returned 29.6%. Are you kidding me? 29%? 10% considered great. Five, six, seven percent considered not so bad. They returned 29%. Now, the S&P returned 28.7%. It was a good year in the stock market. But still, that's interesting. In 2020, and I'm just going to hit a couple of interesting years, they returned 2%. Now, the S&P returned 18%. In 2019, they returned 11%. S&P returned 31%. They got beat by the market pretty good. But it's not about what happens in one year. It's what about, it's what, about ha what happens over a number of years, an average period of years. And I'm looking at another year here, 2008, which was pretty difficult for the economy. Uh, Berkshire lost 31%. And you're going, Dave, I can't believe you're talking in an admirable way about a company that lost 31% one year, but the market lost 37%. Um, but they've had other interesting years too. I'm, I'm taking a look at 1998. Berkshire Hathaway returned 52%. The market returned 28%. So they almost doubled the market. I'm looking at 1989. Berkshire returned 84%. I'm rounding off now. Market returned 31%. In 1979, Berkshire returned 102%. I know, get out of town, 102%. The market returned 18%. They've had some good years. And when you take that average, you compounded annual gain, Berkshire's returned um, over that period of time to 65 to the present. They've returned... 21%, actually 20.1%, 20.1%, where the markets returned 10%. So over time, they've doubled what the markets returned on a, a compound annual uh, basis. So that is pretty amazing to me. That shows us a whole number of things. Mistakes are made, losses are incurred from time to time. It's what you do over a longer period of time um, that's going to uh, make a difference. So I would encourage you to get the letter, read the whole letter. It's 12 pages. It's the best read that you'll have probably the entire year. It supports and augments some of the things that we talk about here on TFWP because these are just intrinsic truths. But it's also interesting to read the writings of Charlie Munger, in this case, Warren Buffett, 
Uh, we've always talked about emulating successful people here on TFWP, and, and certainly those two guys are, are worth emulating. And the letter had so many great takeaway points. I just wanted to spend some time um, sharing it with our, our listeners. By the way, the last paragraph of the letter talks about the annual meeting. Uh, and there's an invitation to that. It's coming up in Omaha. Starts Friday, April 29th. It ends Sunday, May 1st. The way they've done it in the past is they've got a, a basketball arena where they have a, a general meeting and everybody packs in. If you don't get there early, you're going to get pushed into an overflow area. Uh, Charlie and, and Warren are there in the past. They've both been there. We'll see who's there this year. Um, a number of people have been there in the past. Uh, Tim Cook, a number of captains of industry, some very wealthy people. They get um, places on the floor. Some of the uh, people that work for Berkshire that run some of the uh, various industries, um, specifically uh, their, their insurance group uh, is usually there to answer questions. People can ask questions. They've got little areas uh, around the room with a spotlight um, for a recording, and, and you can ask them questions. Pretty uncommon that you get a one-on-one -on -one with Warren Buffett or, or Charlie Munger. Um, so, certainly super fascinating to be there. It's a capitalist buffet. I mean, everything is about looking at businesses and analyzing businesses and looking for investment opportunities, not stock timing. You probably won't have a lot of questions about crypto and all that kind of stuff, although I'm sure it'll come up but people are talking, sharing information about businesses and business uh, opportunity. Now, to get into the annual share meeting, it's a little expensive. Um, and I'm being sarcastic about that because it's free. You just need to own a share of stock. Well, now you're saying, Dave, I don't have a half a million to buy a share of Berkey A, but guess what? If you own a share of Berkey B, you get in and a share of Berkey B is 325. And if you want to buy the share, get into the festivities and then sell that share of Berkey B. Um, you can certainly do that. Or better yet, newsflash, think about this. Maybe you want to hang on to that share. Maybe you want to get more shares. That's up to you. Do your research um, and think about it. But it's cup. The airlines uh, fill up pretty quick. The hotels fill up pretty quick. You might even want to stay slightly outside of Omaha because everything gets so busy. But um, an amazing, amazing thing. And in addition to being in the arena, right next to it, they've got like a convention floor and all their businesses set up and you can talk to the people. I'm sure the, the Geico Lizard will be there. Uh, Seas Candy was there. Uh, NetJets was there. All sorts of uh, the businesses that they own. And um, if that wasn't enough, then there's um, a chain of jewelry stores that they own. And you have to take a um, transportation to there and go to their store because they're not going to bring all that jewelry onto a convention floor. And they've got great deals on watches and gold and diamonds and all that kind of stuff. If you're into that and you enjoy that and you've had that kind of a year, well, come to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. I'm going to be there. And if you're going to be there, shoot me an email through the website and maybe we can meet and have a cup of coffee. I always really enjoy talking to our listeners. Well, you know what? I think that's a wrap. 
no emails. I think there's a lot of things that we talked about today. Hopefully you'll walk around this week and chew on this a little bit and go, wow, I didn't know this, or I didn't know that, or wow, I'm empowered by this or that. A lot of things to think about this week, a wide array of topics all brought together by this year's Berkshire Hathaway letter. Well, stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about the most powerful podcast that we've had in our five-year history. I'm just going to list them all out, discuss them very quickly. A great way to find out what our highlights are. We'll talk to you next week. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.